we're going to pray out of Psalms 46 and 47. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She should not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen rage, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolation he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is terrible, which means he's awesome. He is great, king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our King, sing praises, for God is the King of the earth. Yea, sing praises with understanding. God reigned over the heathen. God sitted upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of, of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belongeth unto God. He is greatly exalted. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word of encouragement as we exalt your precious holy name and exalt your position and your place for you are the only living God who do not lie. So everything that we read should be encouraging because it shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Okay, we are in 1 Timothy um, chapter 4. And it's, it's really a short chapter, so we are going to do the whole chapter. So I would read the verses first, and then we'll go back through them. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God have created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refu refused if it be received with thanksgiving, 
for it is sanctified or consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these, these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained or followed, but refuse or reject profane and old wives' fables and ex exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercises profit little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and, and worthy of all exception. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbyter. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them that they profiting many may appear to all, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear. Now we know that Paul is talking to Timothy at this time. And so um, the title of this, of this message, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 16, is Paul's warning of false teaching, false teachers. Okay, so we're gonna go back to verse four. Um, this is really, really an interesting chapter and I do my best to try to bring out what is very important for us to comprehend and, and to receive. So um, in the first verse when uh, Paul is talking to Timothy about uh, depending on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to him because there are a lot of other spirits that speaks. Okay? And he's, so he says, um, He's, he's talking about what's going to happen in uh, the age to come. And that happens to be this age, which is the end times, okay? Uh, all of this apostasy and things are going to be coming forth. It's, it's, it, we're in those times right now. So he says, when he tells them, not, tell him not to depart from the faith, it means to not to apostatize because it's very easy to get caught up in the wrong kind of doctrine after salvation, okay? So apostasy is the deliberate and permanent rejection of Christianity after a previous profession of faith in Christianity. Okay, y'all got that? Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Apostasy is the deliberate and permanent rejection of Christianity after a previous or after you have professed the faith of Christianity, okay, which is very common today. 
And when it talks about the doctrines of devils is really the doctrines of demons because it is a doctrine that is taught by demons. Amen. Now, what we need to understand that in chapter three, Paul spoke to the church about the mystery of godliness. He was trying to teach them about what godliness is all about, which is our strong foundation in Christianity. And so now he's speaking of the mystery of iniquity, which we all know is sin. All right. He brings the gospel message of the cross to set a firm doctrinal foundation for the church and spirits of demons enter in to counterfeit the truth with apostasy. You're thinking, well, how could that be? Let me, t it's very easy. Just turn on your TV and your radio. And in some places, just go visit some other places. It can happen so easily because man let his intellect get in the way of truth. God's truth, it is so simple and it's so pure and plain, but man want to make it a difficult thing. So they want to philosophize. And when you start philosophizing, you just start lying. <laughs> so so he, he's, he's trying to keep them from falling uh, and the prey of the people who were coming, which were um, Jewish people, were coming. Because what, what happened is you're going to try to mix up your traditions, your customs with God's gospel and his truth. And it doesn't work like that. Okay. And so they were the ones who were coming forth. Now they, what he first was, 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 uh, majoring in, uh, about godliness to draw, uh, um, Gentiles into the faith. Well, they come into the faith as well as his Jewish brothers and sisters, they come into the faith. And then the Jews try to mix up their traditions with this new faith uh, to change their way of thinking. And it brings confusion. Okay, and so before you know it, you start believing the hype. And, and, and the lies has been spoken to you. Now, um, what I said, the spirit of demons enter in to counterfeit the truth with apostasy. I says, this is the operation of flesh and the lust of the mind. In order for that to happen, it's because you're allowing your flesh operate and the lust of your thinking to operate. Now, we're sitting here, some of us thinking, well, that, that just couldn't happen to me. Do not be deceived. <laughs> Paul is now teaching the church the mystery of iniquity. Iniquity is sin. And when we get caught up and be led by our flesh and the lustful thinking, you're operating in sin. Our life in Christ must be a daily, ongoing learning to keep us from falling prey to the lies and the deceit, which is the counterfeit. Satan is the counterfeiter, okay? So everything that opposes God's truth is a counterfeit. It is not the opposite of truth, it's a counterfeit of the truth, which this is very, very easy. 
and you and and with you being totally unaware until you see some manifested fruit the bible says you would know them by the fruit when you see the manifested fruit if you have not gone completely over it should awaken you and help you to recognize this is not the way okay the lies we tell ourselves is far more damaging and lasting than the ones others tells us. What we have convinced ourselves to believe, we are able to move over into a spirit of apostasy without being aware. Okay? And we're seeing so much of that in this, in the, in this latter times because when he talks about the latter times, he's talking about the church age, which is the end times, the time that we're in right now. And Paul is actually prophesying about what we are experiencing today. Then that time he was actually prophesying that to the church, what we are actually experiencing today. What is the purpose of prophesying? To prepare the people not to fall into the trap or the trick of the enemy. And this is why it has to be passed down from generation to generation. So all that we come to know and to understand that is a truth has to be passed on. And you don't wait till they get an age that you think can comprehend. Truth penetrates our spirit. I don't care what age it is until it, it is then developed by teaching. Okay, in verse 2 when it says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy that, that um, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, is a demon uses human ministers to expound their doctrines of lies and the speakers are deliberately deceiving going against a consciousness. What do I mean by that? We all were born with a conscience. So even without Jesus Christ, you do know the difference between right and wrong. That's, that's a natural inbuilt, okay? So when somebody really knows that this is not right, but it just fits what they want you to hear and to see and deliberately speak out these things, it causes your conscience to be seared. This is why you don't get caught up in the speakers. Um, I was watching all of the ministers on panel with uh, Jimmy Swaggart, and they were talking about how um, people get caught up in the speaker more than the word. And you're idolizing the, the speaker and, and, and speakers who promote that. I'm When I say speakers, I guess that's pastors, <laughs> preachers, teachers, who promote that. Well, let me tell you, when you do that, you set yourself up as well as the person to be in error and to, and to be open to receive heresy without even being aware of it. And before you know it, you're overpowered by it, okay? 
because sin opens the door for so many things. And we're living that today when we voted in sinful behavior that you thought was only affecting one particular thing only to find out it has affected multiple things. Because when you open the door for sin, you open the door for Satan to have a heyday, okay? And so when we allow things to become legal and to change God's truth to a lie and the world's lies to a truth, then because of your own selfish, fleshy desires, thinking it's okay, you've opened the door for the enemy to have dominance over our land. Okay, so, conscience that are seared with a hard iron. That's the result of intentionally and purposely accepting false doctrine. See, when, when you innocently or ignorantly hear false doctrine, although you don't know or understand, God has given us a conscience that will leave you feeling doubtful, having questions, uneasy, wondering, which will cause you to begin to seek for knowledge, to have a better understanding. The Lord would not let anyone be deceived. We are deceived because we choose to receive and that be, and whatever it is that's wrong, we choose to receive it. And that may be because of, uh, it, it appeals to a broken nature that wants to always feel good. Oh, glory, help me, Holy Ghost. What I'm saying, when you always got to be feeling good and you don't want to ever suffer for anything, you set yourself up to receive things that are not right and you're not even aware of what you're receiving because you've let your flesh be the dominant thermometer, okay? So when we have so tied to the flesh, because we don't want to suffer, you have put yourself in a position to receive some stuff that you don't need to receive. Also, when we're extremely prideful, you can't be told anything. You resist things and, uh, or your thought pattern. That's pride, okay? You set yourself up to, uh, to hear and receive heresy, okay? Because it appeals to your flesh and your mind. Lust will allow things to appeal to your flesh and your mind. What do I mean by that? Not, I'm not, don't even focus in on no sexual stuff when I talk about lust. Okay, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about a desire to be, to be right all the time. A, 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 a desire to for what you say be accepted opposed to what's being say, said because of the pride of who you think you are. Do y'all understand where I'm coming from? 
which will set us up for a big fall. Let me tell you, there are things that we can do or say that maybe we don't even remember because you don't know at the, in the moment of emotionalism, it may have been said that really wasn't the, your heart thing, but because it was spoken, y'all have to remember, Satan is the prince of the air. So he'll take that thing and mess it up for you, okay? You wouldn't even remember some of the things you said out of anger, disappointment, or whatever emotional thing that was going on with you that now you don't remember it, but it's done the damage. It's done the damage, okay? See, when you always feed your flesh what it wants and not what it needs, and at the same time never feeding your spirit the word of God, you're, set, you're being set up to fall for apostasy and lies. Paul talks about it in the epistles about always uh, appeasing the flesh. See, but that's our focus. We're in trouble. Okay, I know. I, 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 this ain't one of the messages that y'all getting all excited over, but it's okay. <laughs> because it's what we need to hear. And because you have practiced feeding, pampering that flesh, you honestly cannot discern what are lies and what are truth even though you think you do. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, this is why fasting is a spiritual exercise or discipline, because it teaches you how to let your flesh suffer a little bit and recognize it's still gonna live. You're not gonna die. You're not going to faint. You're not going to disappear. It teaches you how to be able to control your emotions and its desire. Because everything that you crave and you think you want and you feed into that all the time, you're setting yourself up for spiritual failure. We're ha we have to train the body. We have to talk to it because your heart's been changed. So you need to talk to it and tell it, you ain't getting this, you don't need it. You are no longer in control. Amen. The heart is controlling you because the flesh is connected with the soul. Do you understand that? It's connected with the soul and it speaks to you even when you don't want it to talk. And, and because you practice following what you feel rather than what you know is right, you just automatically flow with that without a second thought. There are times that you have to go in a different way with your thought pattern because you know that it doesn't line up with what you read in the word or what you heard from the word. That's why it tells us in Galatians that the flesh is an enemy to the things of the spirit. And you have to battle with it. You don't just automatically because you now I'm saved and I go to church and I speak in tongues. I'm just going to automatically do what is right. And everything I speak and do is right. 
That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because you got to discipline your flesh. You have to discipline your mind. Regardless of how you feel. Do you want to have a victorious ending? Or do you want to just feel good all the days of your life on this earth? You see, you have to have the ability to discern things, not be sensitive. Amen. I'm answering that question. <laughs> That's why I didn't say nothing. <laughs> sensitivity is not a spiritual gift. God don't operate in sensitivity. Actually, it's a negative word. Because when I was sensing, okay, and y'all know, it's what are you discerning because the Spirit of God is giving you the ability to discern. It's not your flesh or your thought pattern, your soul, that are allowing you to be sensitive to things. Amen. So let me just give you Webster's def definition for discern and discernment. Webster says to discern, to detect with other senses than vision. It's to have insight. Discernment means keenness of insight. A power to see what is not evident to the average mind. That's discernment. So when you see people say, uh, they, they're discerning some things in the spirit, and somebody else say, oh, how do they know? They didn't see anything. Well, that's a carnal, natural mind who is saying that because what, what's going on, that person is seeing things in the spirit, not by natural ability, okay? So another definition for dis discernment is implies characteristics, penetration combined with keen practical judgment. Oh, I love that. Characteristics, penetration, combined with keen practical judgment. That's a gift. <laughs> that is a gift, and it has to be worked. Now, the biblical definition for discerning is always talking about of spirits, because you see, if you're not born again and is operating as a gift in the spirit, then you know what the name of that is in the world before you got born again? Critical. You were just critical. Discerning of spirits is one of the gifts of the spirit. And you find this in 1 Corinthians 12. And this one comes in verse 10. But read 1 Corinthians 12 that talks about the spiritual gifts. Okay? Of all of the gifts that people want to have, I never hear anybody say they pray for the gift of discernment. But the Bible tells us to do that. Everybody want to be in the limelight. Don't nobody want to know anything. Because the gift of discernment will equip you with knowledge and wisdom and understanding so you'll know how to fight the battle and you know what battles to fight and what battles to leave alone. Okay. Now, discerning of spirits is one of the gifts of the spirit and apparently it refers to the God-given ability to tell whether a prophetic speech came from God's spirit or from another source opposed to God. 
Now, another source opposed to God is not just demonic, it's just your intellect. Because your intellect always opposes God. Let me, let me. Why do you think Paul majored with these churches in Asia about trying to teach them how to be, be in tune to godliness and, 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 and how to refrain from apostasy? Because the Greek major in intellect and art and culture to the point of being demonic. And any time that we think that we're so bright and so intelligent that we can't listen to anything opposed. Let me tell you, as adults, you can learn something from a child. And in saying that, for those of you who missed Family Fun Night, okay, thank you, <laughs> which was awesome. But what I want to talk about was the part when I get to talk to the children and they get to ask anything they want and listening to the questions that they ask. They asked some good questions. But let me know two things, too, that they're learning a lot in children's church and, and, and the children's Bible study. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine how powerful they would be if, they, if their parents was more consistent getting them to these classes and coming to uh, uh, children's church? I've been saying this for a long, that God has his hand on these young people. And they're not all intelligent and bright for the world. It's to use for God's kingdom. And, we, and it's up to us. We have the responsibility uh, uh, to, to educate them and disciple them in the knowledge of who Jesus is. And when we're not doing that, we're failing to be good stewards over God's property. Because while you taking ownership of them, they don't belong to you. It's a gift loaned out to you that you're supposed to cultivate. And when he comes back, he want to see the multiplication of that gift operating. Okay, so it's a prophetic um, gift that comes from God that helps us to not be deceived, uh, 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 not to, to walk in the wrong way. It, it protects us. Now, not everyone operate in the gift, but everyone should have some discernment. The gift is stronger, just like we are all called to intercede, but there's a gift of intercession that certain people are called to that labor for the Lord. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Okay, all right. Now, you may not have the gift of discernment, but you certainly can inquire from someone who does have the gift. And so don't take it upon yourself to just receive what you think is right against what somebody else has said until you go and find somebody with some discernment and listen to what they have to say. Because you do not have to be ignorant of the devices of Satan or your own devious devices because God makes it available for us all to receive what we need to receive. And these gifts are in every church uh, congregation. This is why it is important that we teach on the gifts 
teach on prayer for people to be in tune to what God has put in them that's been lying dormant waiting for their personality to come up to par to hold the gift. Amen. Okay. Now, um, going back to the scriptures in, in, in verses uh, six, when it talks about if thou, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of good things, of these things, thou should be a good minister of Jesus Christ. He's talking to Timothy. Nourish up in the words of faith and good doctrine where thou hast tamed, or really where you have actually followed. Christians should continually feed on the truth. That's the biblical truth, which will nourish your soul. That way you aren't deceived by others or your own deceitful and lustful thoughts. We are to feed on the word. That word will nourish you in every aspect or respect of your life. Consistency, obedience, and faithfulness are keys to keep you from deception, lies, and rebellious sins. We're going to sin, but there are some sins that are just rebellious. And if we be consistent in the word, obey the word, and be faithful to the word, it will keep us from deceptions, lies, and rebellious sin. Amen? Now, uh, verse 7 says, but refuse profane or reject profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I'm going to read out of my commentary what, um, what is said about that verse. It says, we may read the verse, but avoid profane and fabricated myths and exercise yourself to be godly. These false doctrines called myths are described as profane because they promote ungodliness and fabricated because they, like modern day soap operas, are silly and flightly in character. This is why I have issues with certain things that, that are on TV. Because I know they're feeding your soul the wrong way. And although you think that you're so intelligent that you're not ingesting it, that is not the case. That is not the case. You. Baby, only thing that can come out is what you put in. And if you're sitting there ingesting through all of your senses, it's going in, and that will come out. You have a choice to put the word in, so what comes out would be good, because it will nourish you instead of that junk that you've been nourishing on. Okay, <laughs> it says not only must Timothy avoid false teaching, he must spare himself no pain and effort to be pious. Godliness does not come automatically. I think I said that earlier, just because you got born again and, and you speak in tongues and you, and you know about your gifts, don't make you godly. And all the other little things that you do in the name of the church and in the name of Jesus. Don't make you godly. They should be the effects from being godly. But we depend on works to make us godly. No, that's wrong. Okay. To attain holiness, he must be diligent in prayer, Bible study, obedience, fellowshipping with other believers, 
and Christian service. Let me tell you, when you give yourself over to these things, it keeps you, it protects you, it guides you, it directs you, it gives you a different sense. That's what keeps us holy. Uh, let me read those things again. To attain holiness, you must be diligent in prayer. Diligent in prayer. To be diligent in prayer, you got to be doing more than praying about what somebody's done to you. You got to be praying, guide me, lead me today. Order my steps in your word. Brighten my tongue, set a guard around the door of my lips so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be acceptable unto your sight, O Lord. God, I just thank you for your peace, your joy, your mercy today. You, you, that, you know, this kind of prayer. Stop focusing on all your prayer is about is why can't he or why don't she? Because when we begin to pray and be in tune about what's going on with us, then God will allow you greater wisdom to know how to pray effectively about issues, but to see him in a better way than you've ever seen him before, that you will crave him more than you've ever craved him before. Bible study and not just coming to a class, but study at home and your word. Obedience to what you've learned fellowshipping with other believers, not having certain picks, but you're willing to fellowship with any and every believer that, that's in your, in your congregation. I, 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 I don't like cliques, even before I got saved. Amen. I didn't like them. And I thank God that I, that I, I went to a, a school where blacks were truly the minority and so they just kind of hung within themselves, the little group. I thank God, and I know God set me up for such a time as this, that I didn't get to have homeroom with them. I don't know how they all got in one homeroom, and I was in a different homeroom because I was really then thy minority, okay? But I learned how to fellowship and socialize with the other classmates, not based on their complexion. Amen. Amen. So you, you, you learn how to get along with everyone in any, any atmosphere. You have to learn how to socialize with every and anyone, not just you're only comfortable within a certain, that, you know what, really that's narrow mindedness and ignorance that you can only socialize in a certain group of people outside of that. You're not comfortable. You don't have a comfort zone. There's something wrong with you. It is nothing wrong with the people. It's something wrong with you when you take that stand. Amen. So you ask God, if that's what you're struggling with, ask God to take you out of out of that kind of comfort zone. It's not a comfort zone. It, I don't know what kind of zone you want to call it, but it really isn't a comfort zone, but it's a narrow-mindedness, and ask God to take you out of that. So you can't be, have friends if you don't be friendly. Amen. Okay, and, and, um, and fellowshipping in Christian service. Y'all got that? Yeah. Okay, verse, verse 8 talks about, oh, we're going to love this one. <laughs> For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that, is, that now is and of that which is to come. It's not saying you shouldn't exercise, but what it really is saying that bodily exercise 
only profits for what happens on earth. But spiritual exercising is going to profit you on earth and in heaven. See, by exercising, it's a good thing, but let me tell you, it's not going to send you to heaven. Nor is it going to teach you how to operate in spiritual things here on earth. But spiritual exercising is going to teach you how to live life on earth in order for you to get to heaven. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, in verses 9 through 11, <clears throat> it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. This is why you, you have, to, have to teach your flesh about how to sacrifice and how to go without at times because the key decision in life is to determine in whom or in what to place our trust in. Trusting God requires dying to self and sometimes suffering reproach. We will, we will suffer when we stand for God. And this is a problem with humanity and especially Christian humans who don't want to suffer for anything. We've been given the lie uh, that everything is going to be microwave. And, and, and if you're suffering, you must have done something wrong. Because in, in God, you won't suffer. You won't have need of nothing. No, you won't have need of anything if you put your trust in him. But it doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. Like there's too many places in the Bible that tells us we are going to suffer, but. Amen. Amen. And, and all that suffering for Christ is doing, first of all, is putting you in the best company you've ever been in, in company with Jesus Christ. Second of all, it is disciplining you and preparing you. Because if we don't, if you don't learn how to be disciplined, I wonder, to wonder how you're going to handle heaven. When all we're going to be doing in heaven is praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You, you, you won't even be concerned about your flesh. It'll be all about him. None about you. Amen. So the Bible teaches us Jesus is the only way to heaven. Your belief cannot stand in, a, in theory, period least long only it must be a faith that stands up for one's belief this is the kind of faith when I say theory not just what you read in the Bible the doctrine well I believe that no you got to believe it with your whole heart mind body soul in everything in order for you to take a stand for your belief to declare it unapologetically to defend it and above all, to share it. Are you sharing it with anyone? Do, only when the people know that you are supposed to be a Christian because they know you go to church, or is because of the things that you are saying to them to let them know about Jesus Christ. Uh, all of your conversation is always about the past, or worldly things that are going on? Or do you ever talk about life in Christ? Amen. Which will probably help fix some of these people that you talk to on the phone or in person. 
We're supposed to be sharing the good news of the gospel. You don't come here to get equipped for your flesh to feel good all the time. You come here to get equipped so that you will become more knowledgeable about who you are, whose you are, to serve him wholeheartedly and to go out and tell others about it. Verse um, 12 through 14. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and, and conversation. And that's more in conduct. In charity, that's in love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. This is what we have to practice. But this is what he's telling Timothy as a pastor to practice. Amen. He says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, to teaching. Give attendance to these things. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbyter. So he's saying, first of all, it was prophesied to you that you had the gift. The example of being a Christian was exemplified to you by your mother and your grandmother. <laughs> that really laid the foundation of your faith in you. And then the, there was the laying on of hands by the elders of the church to declare you are to be in this position. That's what it means by that uh, uh, presbyter, okay? It, it means there was an ordination. You were ordained <laughs> to be in that position. Amen? So you go in the confidence of knowing, not having to have anybody else to have to tell you for you to accept it and to feel good about it, but to know that you know that you know because things were done in order. Amen. So he says, um, 15 and 16, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them that they profiting may appear to all. In other words, when you believe what you read and study to prepare for the congregation, it's also preparing you. Amen. It's making a believer out of you. So not only will the people profit from it, but you profit from it. And they profit more when they know you believe it and you practice it. Amen. So he says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear. Take, pay attention to your own behavior and what you believe and, and what you are teaching, not allowing false doctrine to enter in or sin to enter into your personal life. You gotta guard the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you have to be conscious about not letting sin to enter in. What do you mean by entering in? Because we all sin and fall short. Letting it stay there. Be quick to confess. Be quick to ask God to change you, fix you, rearrange you, do whatever is necessary that needs to be done so that you are a sweet-smelling Savior in his nostril. 
Amen. This is all important. Our personal lives as preachers and teachers is just as important as what you think you're doing for the church in the spirit. No, it's more important because that means he can trust you with the sheep. Amen. You know, since I believe that everybody here has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this is an opportunity for us believers to examine our hearts before the Lord and ask him to reveal anything to you that is not pleasing in his sight in order for us to be the example before other believers and more especially to our children so that they can come into the knowledge of truth. You know, we cannot speak one thing and not walk upright and worthy before, before them and think they're gonna listen to what you say. More is caught than taught, amen? And for them to trust you. Do you know they don't trust you when they hear one thing come out of your mouth but they see, see us walk in another kind of walk? They don't really trust that. And no, they won't say it to our face, but they're saying they're, they're a hypocrite. Amen. So let's ask God to, to forgive us. Forgive us, Father, for deceiving ourselves. This is not even about Satan. It's self-deception. Forgive us for being so prideful that we won't acknowledge our sin and our wrong that's ever before us. And when we are sinning and we're wronging, we're hurting you more than we hurt anyone else. So forgive us, Father. We want to walk upright. We don't want to be pleasing in your sight. We want to speak words that edify for reproof, for doctrine and correction. So God, we surrender our all. We surrender our will unto you this day to do a new thing in us. So we'll have a new song and take this hard heart out of us and give us a heart of flesh again so that we can go out and declare your truths, share it with others, not be ashamed to defend it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A benediction. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, for we are free because you have cried out, Abba, Father. Walk in that freedom. May the blessings of God be with you. His angels, ministering angels, guard you and keep you and travel in mercies as you leave here. And please tell somebody about Jesus. Amen.